0: Hello again guys. Today's episode is again brought to you by a lifeofeducation.com. A life of education is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world. With lectures in areas on nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga and pilates, strength and conditioning, uh, the business of fitness, many more to be added as well in the future. Um, Ala's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. So, like I said, one of the talk sections is going to be the business of fitness, which is kind of it's a whole course designed to show fitness professionals, but also any small business owner, anybody thinking of setting up their own thing and wanting to use kind of the power of the internet to. Uh, To promote to advertise to generate traffic to write blogs this will give you all the little uh things you need to know about kind of digital marketing and how to improve your reach how to generate leads how to track your leads how to um what software to use why you need a website what you use website for is it just just like a notice board to say what's happening or do you want to collect people's data? Do you want to build a, a community on the, through your website? Do you want to build a forum or a blog? All different things like that. How to do Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Um, basically, how to turn your sort of your skill set, your expertise. So, if you're a fitness coach, or if you're a yoga instructor, or if you're just trying to sell something online by yourself, or if you're not in the fitness industry, this module will kind of give you the tools to better migrate around the world, the digital world, and digital marketing and then how to get a, the best use out of Facebook, Instagram, maybe Twitter, whatever kind of platform you want. Um, moving to this talk today, this talk is with Ian Houghton, who is the founder and the owner of Scandinavian, Scandinavian Health Performance. This one is done by me alone because we did it at the MeFit Pro Summit again, and when we were recording it, Matt was actually giving his own talk on, uh, he'll kill me now, general adaptation syndrome. Um, which will get a podcast between me and him as well. Um, this one is with Ian Houghton. Um, it's just me and it's just me and him. So hopefully it's not too boring. I don't have Matt here to uh, to help me out and save me when I run out of things to talk about. Um, Ian's got quite an interesting story, which I didn't know until we were actually recording the podcast how he got into the um, the industry. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoy listening. Um, this one was done midway through the weekend, but. A little bit time sensitive on the release because we are talking about um, a course that Ian is hosting at his clinic that's coming up in the next, I think it's in the next 10 days from now. So I wanted to get this out as soon as possible. Um, I hope it's not too late by the time it gets lifted from iTunes. Um, But yeah, uh, let's get on with it. This is me and Ian Houghton. Thanks, guys. Okay, hi again. Um, we're here now again at the MeFit Pro Summit, and we've got Ian Houghton from SHP. Um, it's just me right now. Matt is currently giving his own talk on uh, general adaptation syndrome just next door. So I'm going to try fly solo for the first time. So if there's any awkward silences, I don't have Matt to help me and bail me out, so we should, uh, we should be okay. Ian, do you want to just introduce yourself? Where are you from originally, and how long have you been uh, in Dubai?
1: Yeah, I'm originally from Norway, I've got an English father though, hence why the, the English name. Um, I did my degree in Stockholm, Sweden, and uh, I've been now in Dubai for just over six years, where I set up Scandinavian Health and Performance, also known as SHP here.
0: And did you come straight over and set it up, or did you work here before somewhere else?
1: No, I uh, came straight f- from uh, Stockholm to set up the company here, I was pretty determined that that was what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, cool. And what did you do in Stockholm before you were out here?
1: Well, I did my five-year college degree at the Scandinavian School of um, Manual Medicine. And uh, then I worked for a year and came out here after my wife was done with her degree.
0: And uh, the Scandinavian, the, the place you have now, what are you, what's your speciality? What is it that you sort of, what are your clients coming to you for on a, on a regular basis? Well,
1: the company as a whole has physiotherapy and personal training, nutrition and education as our four kind of feet that we stand on. So primarily it's physiotherapy and personal training, and then we've got a, a smaller portion of nutritional clients, and then we do continue
0: education courses for personal training. And you're based in JLT, yeah? Uh, Correct, the, in the Swiss Tower
1: in yeah. JLT.
0: So, um, what was it originally back in your past that got you wanting to go down this route? Like, what was your little, what was your moment, or what was the bug that bit you? Ah, okay. I've actually got a good story here. Um, yeah. I was about. 16
1: and my mum had serious lower back pain that was keeping her away from work um, for several weeks which is very uncommon for her and uh, we were sat on the sofa one one day at home and and she was lying straight straight out in her back as she had to do at that time with her feet on my lap and I uh, randomly just started massaging her feet I had no background or experience doing that and she was just telling me that how she could feel that Radiating, radiating up through her legs and into her lower back and kind of guided me to where and the pressure points in yeah. her feet were. Um, obviously, I had no clue what I was doing, yeah. but it was it was something I was just playing off for feedback, right? And uh, next morning, she wakes me up in bed, and uh, which was very rare because she wouldn't come up to the second floor where I was sleeping because of her back. Um, and she was telling me how much better her back felt and she said that I, I had to have some kind of magic hands, right? Just yeah. Just as your mother yeah. would do to... to uh, to boost you up but uh, yeah it was just one of those things that she then from that point started encouraging me to look out for manual therapy courses to go and do a massage course so uh, I was actually at one of these educational fairs about a year later and I saw that the Scandinavian College of Manual Medicine where I went was, was had a booth there and, um, and they recommended anyone who was interested in getting into manual therapy to go and do a, <coughs> do a massage course with, a, um, with one of their practitioners that was at the school So I signed up for that at the age of 17. I met a guy who was just super inspiring, a napropath um, from Oslo. And uh, from that point on, I kind of decided this is what I wanted to do. So um, I started doing all the manual therapy courses I could get hold of at Mm -hmm. that time. And by by the time I was 18, I had done quite a range of different sports massage, sports injury, and different smaller courses. Yeah, cool. And then I looked for this college to follow the footsteps of my... um, my now mentor, who who was the guy who taught that massage course. So what was the what was
0: the uh, that was the Scandinavian school? What what did you say it was called? The Scandinavian College of Manual Medicine. And it's what Stockholm. was it you studied there? A doctor of Naturopathy. Okay. So
1: naturopath is is an offspring of chiropractics, which is about 110 years old. Um, okay. Originated in Chicago, and uh, was simply a guy who didn't believe in the the theory behind joint manipulation which was a subluxation theory back then right um he believed it was more connective tissue related disorders yeah, yeah. okay um so he started his own school based upon just a different theory um more or less the same tool so manipulation and mobilization of joints and a lot more soft tissue and work um and nerve
0: mobilization it's so like a combination of chiropractic and, and sports massage
1: oh and physiotherapy i would say Okay. yeah, yeah
0: okay so then uh you come out of how long is that degree is that a
1: four year four it's years four years at school and then one year afterwards in the hospital and clinical practice
0: so you so you did that in stockholm did that in stockholm yeah did you play any sports at the time or what were you doing to keep fit yourself
1: yeah i uh, my background's from basketball okay. i played basketball up to like a national level until i was 19 so i was recruited to the army um after that they kind of screwed up my location so i lost my contract right. um and since then, it kind of became just general fitness and S and C stuff. I got into weightlifting, mm-hmm. um, did the whole kind of scene from when kettlebells became popular. I did the RKC yeah. stuff, and then uh, went into CrossFit and then weightlifting, and, and now it's just playing around with what I think is beneficial to my clients.
0: Really, yeah. Did you just say you, you got you spent a year with the military? Yeah, you said. Yeah. Is that a is that a thing in Sweden that everybody has to do? So this is Norway. Oh, Norway. Yeah. So it's mandatory
1: service. Yeah, one-year service. Um, for me personally, it wasn't super stimulating. I was trying to get myself to the right city to continue playing basketball. Right. Which meant I had to sit in the in an office in the, at the airport booking airplane tickets.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not super.
1: Masculating,
0: no, um, but if you have to. I suppose a lot of people will benefit from that, won't they? The people in Norway who would probably not have much discipline.
1: No, that's right. And uh, I mean, you go through the, the general kind of preparation period, um, which is six to twelve weeks, where where you get your discipline dosage, and you, you get to uh, can move out of mummy's comfort yeah. and uh, and get yourself sorted. So, I mean, yeah, it was a good experience
0: for the at least the first three months of it. Just to shock your system, and is a lot of that in then in cold weather in snow, or is it down south? Um, well, that hugely
1: depends on where you you can apply to go to a certain um, s- certain area of the country, or you can apply to stay close to home. So yeah. I'm from the southwest of Norway, so it was a mild, wet experience rather than a freezing right. cold. My, my brother went up north, the very north, and did uh, drove a tank across the border into Sweden and Russia, and uh, right.
0: So he got the proper yeah, experience. he got the fun stuff. Um, and is there anything on that year that you learned that you think you wouldn't have learned had you not done it? Like any lessons, any anything that you can say? Yeah, it was actually well, it was quite worthwhile from the year in the army. Yeah,
1: that's a tough one. <laughs> I, th- I think maybe it was bonding with some of the, the the friends that I made during the first like recruitment periods. Yeah, um, and just a bit of uh, independence. I think um, yeah. finding yourself a little bit and uh, and who you because you're all kind of just. You're all nobodies who comes into this recruitment period, right? And uh, how you manage to place yourself within the dynamics of the team or or uh, your environment, I think, is a good representation of how you start to shape yourself as a grown-up, being in the age of 19 or whatever. Yeah. And then do many
0: of those guys go on to full military service, or is everybody just dying to get out?
1: Um, No, there's quite a few. I'd probably say... And don't hold me to the statist- statistic, but I would say probably 10% would yeah. pursue uh, some kind of either continued education or a
0: career within the army. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then when you graduated, did you do, you spent one year uh, in, in Norway itself? Yeah. That's right. And then what? at what age were you when you moved out here? Um, so after Norway I had one
1: more year where I, I worked and then backpacked for half a year and then I started my college in uh, Stockholm that was 2006 to 11 right. and then so 2011 I moved out here so that would be at the age of
0: 27. And how have you noticed things changing then here since 2011 till to now? in the industry
1: oh um, hugely I mean just the the volume of offerings from gyms and facilities to trainers uh, and services has um, really exploded mm-hmm. I heard at one point there was like 18 CrossFit boxes open in really? 18 months um, so I had a huge um, growth um, I think the quality of trainers is rising or more quality trainers are coming here yeah. um, for sure and, and obviously as social media has grown, then you're exposed to a lot yeah. more of that quality. So uh, there's definitely positive trends, mm-hmm. but there's still a large amount of unregulated, lower level um, qualifications which are walking around town, maybe not making the right
0: impression, I believe, that a personal trainer should do on our clients. And do you get people, you must get people coming to you in your practice saying to you, this is what happened and in your mindset are you, are you thinking about what kind of qualification or what kind of experience that coach has do you get that a lot um, subconsciously without
1: a doubt sure but, um, I think it's always a case that you need to n- it maybe hold back on pointing fingers yeah. where the blame is to be because right. lost in interpretation is uh, is very easy to happen when you're talking about a professional speaking to a layman yeah I'm sure um, so you never really know what has been said and what has been done um, compared to what has been experienced um, from the uh, from the client themselves. Yeah, so yeah. I learned that a little while ago, but it is easy to assume that they've been asked to do stuff that I wouldn't recommend
0: them to do based on, based on the situation the individual's in. Was there a particular thing that made you learn that lesson or are you just noticing that it's probably best to not say it was this guy or that um, exercise
1: no, I think I think I mean I've been teaching personal training back home in Norway at the Academy for Personal Training for for 8 years now and you come across across enough situations where relatively fresh or an, a PT is just about to finish his qualifications um starts saying stuff that you know could be interpreted wrong but they mean very well from yeah. it um and you just yeah I think I've seen enough situations where someone who recommends an, an exercise or a training frequency or volume or intensity that you think this would be okay if done under certain circumstances but it could also potentially be pretty harmful um, if taken out of context or if applied in the wrong way so I think it's more that I that you just, you just see the lots of trainers who, who trying to do the best yeah. um, who just maybe don't package thing or deliver
0: the information correctly yeah, I mean, I I think that's a great way of looking at it. That a lot of people are in the industry because they mean well. You know, they mm. they're naturally geared towards this sector of the workforce to spend their day helping people, as opposed to spending their day in a in a call center or in a you know working in a finance industry. Um, so, from the people are coming from the right place, and it's it it's trying to understand where their experience is. Where their speciality is, and kind of understanding the things that they don't know, because mm. we we had a we had a Anna Holmes on, talking about pregnancy. And myself and Matt, we joke about this a lot. Which, but it's a perfect example of where our limitations lie. I don't know enough slash anything about the pre and postnatal uh, cycle. We did it in a in a module a long time ago, so I could talk somebody through it off the record and away from any sort of child development but if it was a client of mine coming to me I would say no I need to send you to someone else firstly out of fear because I don't know how detrimental it could be what I'm going to do but also just because I'm mis-selling the person so I can't I can't like explain a b and c three different ways if they if they question it or if, if something resonates incorrectly with them and they say well, what about this I can't go to that place in my knowledge and say, okay, rest assured, this is what we'll, we'll do. Um, so I, but I think it is important to, uh, to kind of trust that your trainer or that your health professional knows what they're talking about but isn't trying to sell you everything.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree. We need to recognize the sometimes necessary approach of being very specialist within a topic at the same time there are other times where that might not be necessary to give basic advice, like for nutrition, for instance. A lot of personal trainers don't have nutritional degrees um, on top of the, the PT stuff, um, but I still think the average PT who has studied maybe like precision nutrition certifications or, or shorter certifications um, should be able to give some basic advice, right? It's when yeah. you when you start to get into pathologies and uh, yeah, exactly. psychological issues that you want to refer to someone more specialist.
0: Yeah, that's it. And we were kinda of saying how you have someone on a perfect for a second, third trimester, we could we can talk about it. But if it's any complications, I'm suddenly drowning. Yeah. I don't have a don't have a clue here what's happening. Um or I don't know where I should have been at this point in time. So I don't know if I'm still on the right track because I'm only used to seeing this one dimensional. But yeah, I think I mean from a nutrition perspective, me personally um, I understand the good foods and the bad foods and the general right when you avoid these a bit more of these have this at this time have that at that time and then when people keep wanting more and more and more okay okay now it's time to get you in front of somebody who really can sit down and spend an hour with you and answer all your intricacies with confidence and with, with uh, kind of give you the value for your money first of all and then give you a real structured plan that you can move forward because there is only so much you can be a specialist in um, and I think when you sort of, once you get a base awareness of where you are and where your niche is, you can focus on that. And people will trust you more. If, if, if I'd rather trust you by saying by hearing you tell me that you don't know something. I trust you more now. Okay, that's good. You, you, don't, you don't know how to fix my car, so I'm not going to let you go in with a spanner and a, and a wrench and go underneath it and fix it. You tell me to speak to this guy and you refer me to someone who you've had experience with giving you a good service and then we can all just sort of stay on track keep communication open and move on um so what kind of uh clients are you getting in shp are you getting athletes are you getting office workers you're getting crossfit people how does it i mean i think our client base is always reflected on which staff we have on the
1: team um so I encourage all my team members to be engaged in their hobbies uh, in their local communities we've got for instance a physiotherapist from sweden patrick who's a powerlifter he uh, he does the desert barbell kind of social powerlifting group here yeah um as he kind of broadens himself in the powerlifting market then he attracts more powerlifting fitness interested individuals and patients um same thing for a former volleyball player we had who was a physio she attracted lots of volleyball um i myself when i first came here was in heavily into crossfit um i was one of the first practitioners out here who who specialise in crossfit injuries and uh, could relate to them a lot more yeah so that community became a, a niche of ours um so we we attract different i would definitely say in the more sporting community recreational sports and, and that fitness yeah. um crowd um but we also attract uh, your typical Maybe it's like the older generation that has lots of wear and tear from mm-hmm. lower back to neck to knee, um, arthritic changes, um, and you're, you're just typical, yeah, musculoskeletal uh, aches and pains, but uh, definitely more fitness
0: related. Yeah, talk a little bit about the. You said Patrick's uh, powerlifting club. Yeah, What's the, how does that take shape? What happens there?
1: Well, he's uh, he's just like this big, super passionate powerlifter from northern Sweden who, uh, when he came out here, just started um, himself, I guess. One the, and and his um, his partner, one at a time, we're just um, creating enthusiasm within the, for the sport. And uh, the base out of the warehouse gym. Right. Um, they kind of purchase proper Olympic powerlifting equipment, and uh, they've just slowly and steadily built this uh, group of. Like-minded enthusiasts who want to get strong within the sport of powerlifting, and um, he's t- he coaches a bunch of them. He's taken three of them went to the World Championships recently. He himself got a bronze medal in the bench press. Um, so he's uh, he's created a, a really great community, and it's uh, I'm very proud of his effort in yeah. doing that. And he he coaches and uh, at the warehouse, and he does online kind of programming for clients um, out of SHP. Um, so it's, uh, it's been really good. I think it's important for me that the staff that come, especially internationally, um, feel like they can have the time to be able to spend on their passions and their yeah. hobbies outside of work. I'm, I'm really a strong believer that we need to find that balance between work and, and spare time and, and your hobby. Out here, it's very easy to get caught up in long working days and, and hours, and, and you kind of get drowned by the expectations of, of work out here sometimes yeah. um, and I think for sustainability that's just not going to be um, a good strategy so, so we I try to uncover, encourage the best of my ability people to take that seriously their
0: hobbies and yeah, and merge that to the best they can and uh, I mean there's no better person to learn powerlifting than from somebody from Scandinavia what, what is it you think do you think there's a reason why Scandinavians are Sort of up there with the world's strongest kind of lifters.
1: That's a great question. Um, I mean, based on how small the population is in Norway, we've only got like five million um, yeah. people, and uh, within within uh, lifting with uh, with equipment, um, so with with suits, it's uh, it's a very good um, nation when it comes to international competition. Um, Sweden does also very well within. Um, Raw, um, so no, no additional equipment. Um, but no, I think it's just a culture which is um,
0: just arised. strong. Yeah, <laughs>
1: maybe I know what is our heritage of the Viking times. But, yeah, uh,
0: look, but it, it's going to be cold. You're going to go through some tough times. Just get on with it. Yeah, that's just, right. just, just get used to the discomfort of of the weather and the, the the long darkness. How long is it? What's a standard kind of winter's night in? Norway, I mean, I know it's such a long north to south country, so it varies.
1: It is, hugely. But the, the top third of Norway is considered to be in the Arctic Circle. So okay. so that realm, you would say, is um, maybe it's a top qu- um, quarter, but at least the top northern Norway is end, yeah. And for three to four months of the year, you don't have
0: any sunshine. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy for anybody not used to that. It's probably normal for those who, who grow up there.
1: Yeah, normal, but still a big issue. So, um, and the same thing as summer, you don't have any. The sun doesn't set for three months, right? Um, so it's it's light throughout the entire night. Um, but there's a huge incidence of depression and suicides in the, the northern parts of Norway and Sweden, where they don't see sunshine for three months. Yeah, the government even p- will pay a hundred percent of your student loan within. Uh, um, three to four years will eliminate it if you choose to move to northern norway after
0: you've come out of college so they're incentivizing you to move up north that's right okay
1: because people want to move down move yeah away yeah from
0: there. are they incentivizing people to move down
1: like for their health no no okay. i don't think so i mean there are those there'll be those who always can manage it better than others. Um, but they're losing a lot of the population, especially the younger population. After, let's say, they study down south or something,
0: that many people don't choose to go back up north. And what kind of agriculture is there up north in the winter? I mean, is it what's the industry there? What's keeping people there at all?
1: Um, well, you got fishing is huge. Right. Okay. Um, you got reindeer is is pretty big. Um, you got oil. So, ah, there it is. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah, and then I mean you see in the uh in the olympics that the scandinavian guys and the the uh what's the other thing the world's strongest man they're all just icelandic arctic circle periphery nations who are just genetically geared to be strong
1: yeah the uh i mean scandinavia is obviously norway sweden and denmark and but in the nordic countries yeah if you've got iceland and finland you've got uh, lots of strong dudes out there um again i don't know what it is if it's yeah just a mental attitude and fortitude of living in these rough conditions yeah. um, but who knows i don't to be honest I don't have a good answer
0: yeah it's crazy I mean I wonder if it's a genetic thing I'm sure someone somebody can can pin the uh, the genetics down to a uh, anatomical makeup or you know different lever lengths compared to whatever you'll have maybe sprinting sports you know a smaller lever generates more power i don't know i'm just because I know we, are, we do a lot of work with Chris, you know, Chris Green, who's a lot shorter than me, powerlifter, super strong. Um, we have a little friendly argument all the time over the law of the lever and who it favors more, me and my long lever who has longer muscle or him and his short lever who doesn't have to shift the weight as far but his muscle is slightly shorter to begin with. So. Well, I think it has to do also where the
1: muscle attaches on the bone, right? So that will dictate the lever arm around the joint so uh, that would be also an anatomical like, um, advantage or disadvantage if very common for instance on the bicep tendon you'll see some people have it attached pretty far away from uh, the the distal part of the uh, the ulna and then other people will have it um certain radius and other people have it um, a lot closer to the center of the joint so it, it makes a difference as well
0: yeah so kind of what you're describing there is where in the front of the elbow isn't it like a like a drawbridge um, if you've got the chain attaching right at the corner point the chain's gonna have to do a lot more work if the tr- chain is further away from the the hinge we'll call it it's a much more efficient lever correct yeah. yeah so just for those listening like the muscle will have to be a lot stronger and generate more force the closer it is to the hinge as opposed to further away so yeah you've got that kind of principle at, at, across many different joints
1: but you've got the uh I Me mean, the CrossFit um, group from Iceland, right? All these dottiers, yeah. uh, females, is the also Sigmund's daughter, and yeah, and Sigmund Catherine's daughter and uh, yeah. Thoris' daughter. So it's it's interesting to see, from my perspective, an even smaller country than Norway having all these top end and female yeah. CrossFit athletes. And we're not, I mean, it's a substantial percentage of the top yeah. ten and of the European regionals, which are coming from this very very
0: small country so there is there must be something i'm not sure if we've figured it out yet yeah i'm sure there must be somebody studying it because that's a big there's a lot of money in that there's a lot of money if you can figure out why people are successful at sport i only know about that from the, the few netflix documentaries that have popped up on uh, on netflix about the crossfit games you'll see the girls there sigmund's daughter and david's daughter i think i don't know who else but yeah they're all just super strong um so what have you got coming up then at shp what else is happening in the future
1: yeah, so we've got two more events before the end of the year. We've got uh, Patrick has actually managed to bring over three of his big mentors and um, aspirations from the uh, from the states. Uh, Mike Tucherer, um and two other um, really good powerlifters, world class powerlifters, um, are coming to Dubai in two weeks' time on the 27th, 28th of October to do a two and a half day. Um, powerlifting summit so right. we're going to be doing theoretical and practical sessions not only in powerlifting but also anything strength hypertrophy related um, so that's going to be huge for uh, for those in the industry yeah. who are interested in that we only have 3 or 4 spots left so, so if you're keen uh, reach out to us and, and we'll uh, be able to give you more information and
0: that's for a coaches only or
1: coaches and general public coaches and general pop we've probably got a handful at least of general pop who are just interested in getting stronger and in creating smarter programming for themselves um and getting technical insight and um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be great i mean three of the top top guys a lot of practical work yes there'll be quite a lot of practical work yeah for sure And then, sorry, and we've also got. uh, I'm teaching a uh, instructor course on the Procedos Platform Nine, which is a a floor mat which encourages movement, um, multiplanar loading. Mm -hmm. So it's 3D training. It's uh, it's a Swedish product. A friend of mine in Southern Sweden created. Um, I use it quite a lot to um, help communicate movement diversity and and. uh, External queuing for clients when it yeah. comes to just moving different directions, finding successful movement solutions, um, creating more variability in their movement patterns. So how does that look? It's a, mat on the, it's a mat on the floor? It's like a glorified twister mat, right? Yeah. It's essentially nine numbers um, with a bunch of lines and, and uh, measurement points on it. So you can use as reference points yeah. for stepping and reaching and squatting and foot positions and at hand positions, etc.
0: And it's just about coordinating movements, is that just, just body weight, left, right, rotating, moving forward, moving back? Yeah, but absolutely uh, more than just body
1: weight. So you can load it up with dumbbells or with your vipers or cables or bands or whatever you want to do. You can use any type of tool. It really enhances the tool, I would say, because it yeah. gives you so many more options and uh, variations of using the tool. But obviously, it will always come down to the practitioner or the trainer in get, getting the most out of the tool, yeah. making the movement relevant for the client. Relevant for their condition and
0: relevant for their goals. Yeah, it's like having a toolbox but not knowing how to use it properly. Yes, correct. Um, so who would you see using that? Like, who? How would you use it in your, in your week? Yeah, so I obviously have a bias towards more pain-related clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: a good example would be if someone has a forward-bending lower back pain. I might ask them, they would typically and judge that by a, a foot position which is next to each other, a so bilateral stance. So feet would be parallel to each other. If you ask them to put one foot in front of the other and bend forwards, it might be a very different story when it comes to the, the lower back pain sensation. And especially if you ask them to stand broader, turn their feet outwards, then you'll see that the forward bending might be a lot more accommodating, a lot more successful, and less discomfort. So you can use a mat to direct them into different mm-hmm. more successful positions to still achieve that spine flexion so the bending up forward of the spine and it can give them a the perspective of okay it's actually nothing wrong with my spine being able to bend it's more the fear of the bending forward that might be provoking yeah, this, okay. this, this sensation of discomfort um, so it just gives you lots of ways to then find success in movement and um, how to you can tweak then more load or less load in the joints um, by asking them to combine upper and lower body movements or step shorter distances or longer distances. Um, so I would say anyone who is interested in enhancing movement and function yeah. um, rather than just muscle size yeah. or expressing muscle strength through conventional exercise. yeah, um, Anyone who's interested in that diversity or wants to get better in a multidirectional sport they would be the kind of target
0: population, I would say, that um, would benefit and probably enjoy this the most. Yeah. Also, people who uh, who just have you know trouble playing with their kids or moving around Absolutely. at weekends just stiff, heavy, get tired really quick. You know, free up those joints, free up your movement patterns, and you become much more efficient. Yeah. But tools like that are great because somebody on a gym floor, you could achieve, let's say that, mad, you don't have it for the day. You can achieve the same thing, but... Without the map, but oh, like to a degree, when the person feels like they're involved in an activity that's specific, and this is like the safe zone, this is like okay, so this we're on the map today. I know my mind. This is what I'm going to have to do, and I know that Ian's got an expertise in this map, and I trust him. So whatever he says, I'm going to allow my body to go. You know, I'm in the I'm in the cube almost. I'm in the safe zone. That's where I think those things have a huge, unrecognized advantage. Uh, yeah, I'd say an advantage because mm-hmm. if, like I could with, with my stuff. In the in the gym where we're at, um, some of the multi of I just get a piece of chalk and I'll draw some shapes on the floor. But it's not it's not the same as if they're in the zone. Do you know, if they're in that little space where now, okay, we're gonna go all the way across the gym over to the what's it called, the perform nine, the platform platform nine, nine. yeah. Okay, we're platform nine time. Okay, so they geared themselves up all day to go to do the thing and now their body is just much more responsive much more relaxed much more moving and then they can really kind of get into the actual tissue bypass that freaked out nervous system and just start to move um, so I think those things are great yeah I mean the, 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 uh, I
1: totally agree the main reason why this was created was so that the, uh, the founder Seth Ronland he, uh, he could communicate movement specific movement variations to his clients at home so it was, it was built for like a home based exercise tool right so that they could the client could take this home with them, and he knew then that he could prescribe put your left foot on four, your right foot on nine, and then reach your right hand towards two and three, alternating back and forth yeah, and he knows that those were accepted happy kind of um, positions and movements for emotions for that client yeah and then he could very easily continue progressing. By Asking for a longer reach for a more or less of a cross-body reach, um, and more load, etc. So it just gives you those that
0: ability to communicate yeah. movement a lot better. Because there is a way. I don't know if you've ever come across. I, I came across it university, and I've seen it maybe on one or two videos on YouTube in the last eight years um, with the XXX just stance position. Mm-hmm. I, we used to be called nomenclature for some, some sort of nomenclature. Um, but that's super complex. Yeah. That's a super complex way. And for anybody who's kind of listening, there's a, a, you're standing in a position where on a piece of paper, you would, you would notate it as XXX. X, X. And the first X responds to, I might get this wrong, the first X responds to how, uh, for, how in line your feet are on the, across your body from left to right. So mm-hmm. if you were to say R, that means your right foot's forward. If you say L, your left foot will be forward. But XXX X, X means your two feet are beside each other. The second X is uh, the width, isn't it? So if your feet are wide, it'll be XWX or XNX. I can't even remember. And then the last one is internal and external. All if right. your toes are turned in or your toes are turned out. So you can, through that nomenclature program, a similar kind of thing to what you're describing. But it's, it's XXX, left foot driver to a wide stance into L, Y, L... Yeah, W, E, and with a a rotation to the left. Now, all you're describing is a left kind of lunge to a 10 o'clock position swinging around, but the terminology is so thick. Exactly. It's just, hold on, I need to sit down and translate this and let me go again. So something like that's a fantastic idea. Um, If you can... Because it'll allow you then program people from anywhere. Exactly, yeah. So you you can
1: literally... I can envision, like you know, the future of training is, is always an interesting question. Like, how yeah. much is it going to be interactive, one to one? How much is it going to be like a hologram of your PT at home? Uh, yeah, right. And uh, and all the Skype training that already now is done like this live um, yeah. home-based training via via videos, etc. So you could you could then very easily with a tool like this give very specific communication yeah. for how you want movement to look like and and uh, and be
0: executed. Yeah, that's great. I really like that. I'll have a look at that sometime uh, when we're up at your place. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Anything well, else? Just, just that that's, uh, that's, um, certification
1: is on the 10th of November. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, okay. that'll be myself teaching it
0: um, at the SHP facility. Cool. Okay, great. Well, cheers uh, for coming along, Ian. Um, if Matt was here, we might have got a bit more time. He might have been able to flesh it out, but he's busy. So it's just been me, unfortunately. But thanks very much for coming on, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you for having me. Cheers.